Because as we know, the Bible, the Bible, you know how much, you know how many verses in Scripture talk about dating? Zero. Zero. Okay? Now some people, like my buddy, whatever his name, Douglas Wilson here, take that to mean that the Bible is against dating. If it doesn't talk about it, it's against it. Well, the Bible doesn't talk about cars, but we all drove here. Okay? So just because the Bible doesn't talk about something doesn't mean it's automatically against it. You've got to weigh things out. And so that's what we tried to do at this beginning is, okay, if you're, if you're going to date and have relationships, these are some things to know. Now, the next three things that, uh, that we wanted to end are just a little bit quicker and more practical. Uh, and David, go ahead and these, yeah. these myths. Sure. The first one is uh, lady-in-waiting. Um, and what I called it was, uh, you know, uh, Christian women, pursuer or pursuee. Um, and I know, like all the guys I talked to said, yeah, they can ask us out. And all the girls said, no, no, I think it's better. To, uh, to wait, which is an interesting, it's the great inequalizer, I like to call it. I, I, used, to, I used to say, I don't know if you know that I used to say this, but I used to say that I thought if women wanted to vote, they should have to ask men out too. I said, if they want equal pay for equal work, they should have to ask men out too, because it's just, you shouldn't get all the benefits and none of the problems of being a man. And so, but I'm sure that door swings both ways and I don't want to go to the other side of it. But uh, It means we got to start having children and all that yeah, other I know, stuff. So, I know, I yeah. so, know. But uh, it's interesting, everybody's perspective about this. And this is just our thoughts about this. Uh, you know, should um, ladies be waiting? And I'm going to let James Michael talk to you a little bit about Ruth. And then I want to tell you our story. Um, because I think sometimes when we can bring it home, the Bible, we're like, well, okay, yeah. But I think sometimes we can bring it home. Jane and mine's story is a little, is, is an interesting um, picture of this. It is. Uh, here's the deal. People I've heard over and over in churches from Christian friends of mine, girls that, that I love that are godly women that love the Lord. And they'll say, well, in the Bible, women are supposed to be the ones that are pursued. It's the man that's supposed to do the pursuing. And then they'll point to some scriptures where the man... De- and my only problem with that is that that's not, the Bible doesn't teach that that's the way it should be done. The Bible records situations where men pursued women. But the Bible also records situations where women pursued men. And their friend Kelly, who said, I think it's more Ruth-like to wait and be pursued, I would say, honey, you need to read Ruth again. Because actually... Let me just read it. Chapter 2. Now Naomi, Ruth's uh, mother-in-law, had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of a clan, whose name was Boaz. This is going to be the, the guy. And Ruth said to Naomi, let me go to the field and, and glean or g- gather the leftover grain among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. Let me go where the guys are instead of sitting around in the house with you and, and, and let me make a living and let me do it where somebody, I might meet somebody. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Skip down to chapter 3. Now, this is where Ruth saw Boaz and was just like, wow, all right. And then Boaz saw Ruth and was like, all right, let's look out for this girl. She's a widow, you know, she's gleaning on our land. And Boaz actually said, you know what, guys, let her take whatever she wants that's left over after you reap and throw a little bit out extra and let her have that too. I want to take care of this one. And so then in chapter 3, it gets back to Naomi, and they kind of, you know, the mother-in-law to daughter talk, which doesn't happen a lot. But then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? In other words, I need to help you out. You know, I should be, let me, let me give you some motherly advice. Is not Boaz our relative with whose young men you were? See, he's winnowing barley tonight in the threshing floor. He's getting his food ready. He's doing the work of the guys. He's down in the threshing floor. That's where he's at, FYI. Uh, wash therefore, first of all, bathe, you've been in the field, you probably smell. Wash therefore and anoint yourself or put oil, fragrant oil on. So get cleaned up and put some perfume on. Uh, 
Put your cloak on, go down to the threshing floor, but don't make yourself known to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, see the place where he lies. Then go over and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And that's where some people are like, feet is a euphemism for uh, naughty parts, and they imply all of this stuff that Ruth kind of seduced him. We don't know. It could be, but it could just mean uncover his feet, and that had cultural significance. That was an act that someone would do if they're pursuing somebody. Uh, so she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a young woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings or your garment over your servant, for you are a redeemer. In other words, she said, the spreading of the garment, when, when somebody got married in Old Testament, ancient Near East culture, the husband would spread, we've talked about this a little bit, he would take his garment and actually spread spread the, the edge of it, the wing of it was the technical term, over his wife. And what that signified was I'm taking you into my, I'm incorporating you into my family. You and I are, are bound together. The, the taking under the garment, that was, that was kind of, we're getting hitched. All right. She was the one that asked him to do that. She says, spread your garment over me because you're, you're the eligible guy. Okay, so this idea that it's Ruth-like to sit back and wait. Girls, I'm not ranting and saying go out and start asking guys out. But what I'm saying is, don't make the Bible say what you want it to say, because it doesn't. There's one clear example. And this lady became David's great-great-grandmother, King David, who ultimately produced Jesus. And she was a foreigner. She wasn't even an Israelite. So this is an example of a godly woman whose book in the Bible was named after her, and she was the one that popped the question to Boaz. Okay, And you can read the rest of Ruth and it it gives some more details. And then the second scriptural example is Song of Solomon. When it's talking from the woman's perspective in chapter 3, the first four verses, it says, All night long on my bed I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him but did not find him. I'll get up now and go about the city through its streets and squares. I'll search for the one my heart loves. So I looked but did not find him. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? Scarcely had I passed him when I found the one that my heart loves. I held him and would not let him go till I had brought him to my mother's house to the room of the one who conceived me. She did some pursuing, at least in that story. Okay? So that is the, that's just that's a myth. That's a cultural trapping. That's what this, the whole book, Her Hand in Marriage, is based on the idea that it is biblical for the man to do all the pursuing and the woman to sit as a lady-in-waiting up in the tower and wait for the knight to come riding in. Some people, that's the case. There were some people, Abigail's a good example in the Bible, where King David came and, and, and you know, basically swept her off her feet. But then there are the Ruths and the women in the Song of Solomon who knew what they wanted and, and God... There was a green light there, and so they said, well, yeah, I'm going to pursue this. My lovely wife, um, before we were dating, can I, can I share? I already asked, I think, didn't I? God, would be terrible to just ask right here, wouldn't it? Um, but uh, I won't share the whole story with you guys, but um, uh, we were friends long before we dated, and um, I was dating another person, actually. And, um, and my, my wife, Jane, revealed to me um, that she liked me. She told me that, that she liked me uh, through a course of events. And um, I had to respond to that. And I had to, I had to make a decision. Um, and at the moment, I, when she told me, I made the decision um, to say, hey, I'm with somebody else. Um, I like you too, but this isn't going to happen. I'm, I'm with someone else. And, um, and, and she left it off and she said, okay. And I said, okay. And um, you know, she was counseled um, to let it go, I think, right? Um, if I'm correct, she was counseled to kind of leave it off. Well, 
about a month later, the Lord started pressing it on her heart again. And this sounds crazy to me too, and I would never counsel anybody to do this, but this is how it worked. The Lord started just impressing her heart. She had a dream, I think, and um, just she was impressed on her heart to start praying that I would break up with, uh, with the girl that I was seeing. And I think she even began to pray for that girl's future husband, um, that he would come along. And, um, and then all those things would happen. And she began to pursue it. I remember she kept a, she said, she's told me that she kept a quiet heart about it because she couldn't go tell anybody because everyone would have told her, that's crazy. What are you doing? Well, not long after she started praying for that, I started to notice her in a really different way. And it was a month, I think, before I'd already broken up with this, with this other young woman and, and asked, um, asked Jane out. And, and I believe that in part it's because she honored what God was telling her to do and, and pursued me in that way. Um, didn't give up when she felt like God was telling her to do something. And I know that sounds crazy. And I think to myself, gosh, I would never have counseled anyone in my office to do that. But then I also think about my parents. Uh, my parents uh, met on a blind date. Uh, my mom stood my dad up the first time. They, <laughs> the second time they went out, she said, don't get any ideas because I'm not going to get involved with an older man. And uh, then six weeks later, they were engaged. That night, they had to go home and break off dates. <laughs> then six months later, they were married. If I had been the pastor <laughs> counseling my parents, they would have never gotten married. I'm very glad that I was not the counselor <laughs> of the pastor counseling my parents. The bottom line that I see in this is that God blesses marriage. He blesses marriage. He, he loves it. He loves to honor it. If you will give what you have to God, he will bless it. And I don't know if, it, if I, I even felt a little guilty about our relationship for a while because I said, well, maybe I didn't pursue her enough. Did I not pursue her enough, God? Did I not let her know that she was important enough? And God said, you spend every day of your marriage letting her know she's important enough and we'll call it even. Probably didn't say it in so many words. But the bottom line is God longs to bless the relationships in our lives. He longs to bless them. And for some of those, the blessing is that they're going to end at some point. But for, the, for marriage, the blessing is that that point is going to be death. And he longs to bless those things. And so don't get too caught up in, did I pursue this the right way? Or did, did I wait and he pursued me? Or did I make sure that I was just running after God and I looked around and who was next to me? That's another thing that I've heard people say. And I said, what if I don't like the person next to me? And they're just a really good runner. What if, you know, what if that happens? Or maybe they're just really slow like me and I don't like them. You know, not, not to get caught up into that things, but allow God to bless um, what, what comes into your life. Um, Let's do the, this next one that we'll do, do you is want to do this a one quick one. I'll do this yeah. one. This right, is a really cool. quick one. Fast. And then you can end it yeah. on the last one. Yeah. Common question among Christians that are dating. How far is too far? You know, what can you, can you do and what can't you do in, in a relationship? I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. Uh, <laughs> what can we do? <laughs> oh, I forgot about this. I forgot about this can, can, can we hold hands? Okay, <laughs> we got that part. Uh, can I kiss you on the cheek? Okay. Uh, okay.